que the uh, a learning should be for a many Yeshuas for Kali Israel. Like this, uh, these tragedies should come to a abrupt end, and the source of of our focus of trying to access a pure side of reality should assist us to remove the forces of evil from the world. The parasha begins with <coughs> Avram Avinu on the third day after he had had his bris milah sitting at the opening to his tent in the heat of the day. And Rashi says even though the the word Yoishev is read Yoishev sitting in the present tense it's written Yashav in the past tense says Rashi Yoshav Ksiv. It's written Yoshav. Bikesh Lamoit. Meaning he sat down. And he sat down. Not he is sitting down, but he sat down. Well, why did he sit down? Because Bikesh Lamoit, he wanted to stand. Because Vayere Allah Hashem. Hashem appeared to him. So he wanted to stand up. Bikesh Lamoit. I'm like Kharjbokh. said, Shave. Sit down. Vani Amoit. I'll stand. And this will act as a sign, an indication for the way that the relationship between myself and your children will work. That ultimately when the judges sit down to make halachic decisions, they will be seated, as the Allah is in regard to Dayanim, and I will stand, as it says in the Pasuk, and Hashem stands in the congregation of judges. So, very undeveloped, inexplicit description of standing, sitting, what's an Afkamina? From the perspective of social norms and body language, there's an enormous difference between the one that sits and the one that stands. The one that sits down in the presence of the one that stands, the relationship is clearly hierarchical. If I have the permission to sit while you stand in front of me, that indicates that indicates that there's a heightened respect given to the one sitting and the one standing. If I need to stand up for the person when he is in my presence, it means that I show him respect for my standing up. If I sit down, it means that I am more, my respect is weightier than his. If he stands and I sit, it means that 
in a hierarchy, I'm on top, he's on the bottom. So the irony of this is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to Avram, and Avram, of course, says, how can I sit down in the presence of the Creator? And he uh, requests to stand. He begins to stand. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, sit down. I will stand. doesn't say HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, sit down. He says, I will stand, meaning the relationship seemingly between you and I, between the Creator and the creation, is the Creator, sounds absurd to even suggest it, is in some way secondary to the creation. How can that be? Sounds like outright heresy. Rabbi Rucham explains this in his commentary on this Rashi, Rucham Levavitz. But that's absurd. How can that be? To say it is subservient to us. So Rabbi Rucham points out that it's the secret of creation. The secret of creation is such that what is our role in this world? He has no shortage of power. He has no inability to affect in the world as he chooses. So what role do we play? Are we insignificant in the role of what happens in the unfolding path of history? Comes along Rashi and points out that we have ultimate significance. Without the human intervention, as it were, the ability for the Creator to achieve the purpose of creation, namely, to introduce Himself into the world, is thwarted. Without man, there can be no God in the world. Man's job is to introduce, implement the Creator into life. Through his choices... He is able to, as Rashi points out, the Dayanim's decision, the decision of the judges to implement the will of the Creator into day-to-day living allows for Hashem's being to become present in the world. So in that relationship, Hashem's out there. If man doesn't then act, if he doesn't implement, if he doesn't activate the ideology, the rotten, the will of the Creator, so the Creator, as it were, remains dislocated from the very essence of the physical world. Through our actions, we introduce, we bring the Rebbein Shalom into the world. And only through our actions can be brought into the world. Only through us can we introduce the will of the Creator. Now this is related to a Gemara. It's a Gemara which should be familiar to us because it was topical a couple of months ago. Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Famous Gemara in Rosh Hashanah which describes the three Svarim. Amar Reb Krispadoi. Amar Reb Yechner. Reb Krispadoi is in the name of Reb Yechner. Shloisha Svarim niftochim b'Rosh Hashanah. Three books are opened on Rosh Hashanah. Meaning ledgers of judgment. Echot shal Rishoim gemurim. One of absolutely wicked people. Ve'echot shal tzadikim gemurim. One of absolutely righteous people. Ve'echot shal benoinim. And one of benoinim, who are somewhere between the levels of tzadikim, Rishoim, between the evil and the wicked, between, sorry, the evil and the righteous, there's this a twilight zone, an intermediate group, who are pulled by both sides. Tzadikim gemurim. The tzaddikim are immediately written in into that book. They're inscribed in the book immediately. There's no, no 
lapse of time before they inscribed. Rishoyim Gemurim Nichtovim Nichtovim Alzu Demisa. The the Rishoyim Gemurim, the complete evil people, are immediately written into the into the book of of death. They are excluded. Beinonim Tzurim Vayim Dim Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And the Beinonim are hung in the balance. Zochu, if they merit, Nichtovim Nechaim. They get written for life. Lezochu, Nichtovim Nemisa. So they hang in the balance. If they succeed, they will be written for life. If they fail, they will be written for death. Chalila. So now, that's interesting. What we need to understand is what are these books? Which books are we referring to? So the Gemara brings proofs. Amir Ba'avan, Maikra, where do you see in the verse... Where is a, a verse that supports this teaching of Reb Chris Bedoy that three books are opened on Rosh Hashanah? Where does it come from? Sorry. The verse says, You'll be erased from the book of life. And with tzaddikim, you will not be written. And the Gemara explains each of those words refers to a different one of the books. Yimachu mi sefer, being erased from the book. That refers to the book of the Rishayim. Chaim sifran tzaddikim says, Yimachu mi sefer, you'll be erased from the book. Erased from the book, that's Rishayim. Wicked people. Chaim, life, is a reference to the Sefer Chaim, the Tzadikim. V'im Tzadikim al And with Tzadikim they won't be written is a reference to the Beinonim that haven't yet got the merit to be written with the Tzadikim. Now what's interesting is the book of Rishoim is not called a book. It's called Nirezin. It doesn't say there's a book of Rishoim, there's this book. It says, being erased from the book. Yimachum Sefer. That's called the book of Rishoyim. And then the Gemara echoes is the different drasha. Rav Nachman Ba'yitzchak Omer Mahokha. Rav Nachman Ba'yitzchak says it's a different posuk. Im Ayin, Moshe Rabbeinu, appealing for mercy on behalf of Klal Yisrael, says, if you don't grant their mercy, Im Ayin, and if not, Mecheni Noa Misifrecho. Erase me from your book. Asheko after that you have written. Again, the Gemara explains each word refers to a different book. Mecheni na, erase me, again erasing. Zesifran Shereshoim. The erasing is the book of Rashaim. Misifrecha Zesifran Shereshoim. From your book, that's referring to the book of Tzadikim. Ashekosavta, that you have written the Sifran Shel Beinonim. That's the book of the Beinonim. What's interesting in both Drashas, erasing is called a book. So Moshe Shapiro points out there's no three books. There's only one book. There's only one book. The Sefer referring to over here, the book of life is called the Sefer Torah. There's only one book in the world. The book in the world is the Sefer Torah. Everything in reality is written in that book. As the Zohar Kodesh says, the Medrash and Barashis Rabbah both say the same thing. That HaKodesh Baruch is Taka Boraisa Ubora Alma. He looked in the Torah and he created the world. In other words, this world is the text of the Torah. There's only one book. It's called the Book of Torah. There's only one life. It's called the Book of Torah. The Sefer Chaim, the Book of Life, is the Book of Torah. 
the Sefer Ha Rishayim is not a Sefer. It means you're not in the book. There's no two, three books. There's one book. Either you're in the book or you're raised from the book. What's the book? The book is Torah. What's Torah? Torah is life. If you're in the book, you're in reality. If you're outside of the book, you're not in reality. A different perspective. In other words, what we're trying to do is, let's say, take it in the context of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Context of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. We're trying to say, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to align my life with what the Torah describes as my describes as the reality of my being. The church describes that for a person, just like a person's body needs to eat in the morning, his soul needs to say Shema. So when my soul says Shema, I'm conforming to the rules of spiritual nature. I'm not doing something, I'm not obeying. I'm in sync with the needs of my soul. I'm part of reality. If I feed my soul, it will live. If I don't feed my soul, it will not live. So therefore, the Torah does, is it describes the dimension of life which is not visible to the naked eye. When you live in that dimension of life, you are locked into life. When you depart from it, you've left life. You're outside, you're on the outskirts, you're beyond the frame, beyond the, the frail of reality. So what are you then? Non-existent. A rosh is non-existent. He has an appear of existence, just like clouds appear to be solid, but then they disappear in a second. It's a momentary flash. Ka'anan poireach. Ka'anan oiver, ko'ev poireach. It's like a passing cloud, it's like a flying bird. In other words, it's this momentary appearance which dissolves into nothingness very shortly. The only way a person has reality, reality doesn't mean a temporary appearance. It means a eternal existence. Reality means it's real. Something which is real doesn't disappear. Something's real is always there. Something which is, comes and goes is not real. It's a passing fancy. It doesn't have consistency. It doesn't solidity. There's only one reality. The reality which is expressed in the Torah and therefore there's only one life form. When a person deals with, relates to, understands that the Torah is describing the rhythm of life and he, he becomes in sync with the rhythm of life. So now what happens is, he's now writing a Sefer. He's writing a book. What book is he writing? He's writing a Sefer Torah. Why? Because it says in the Sefer Torah, for example, that once you've, once you've eaten your meal, after you've eaten your meal, the response that you have is you say a bracha bekas amazon. So when you do that, you're part and parcel of reality. And when you do that, your action now becomes a posuk in a Sefer Torah. Which Sefer Torah? Your own Sefer Torah. In other words, the story of our lives is our lives is to write chapters in Sefer Torah. Each one of us is a Sefer Torah. Every time our actions conform to the Torah, it's another chapter. Anytime we make it up as we go along, we can't get into the book. We're outside of the book. We're outside of reality. We've breached the boundaries of reality and we're living in the netherworld which doesn't exist and will never exist. And the only way you get back to reality is Akash Baruch has to bring you back. Physically has to, physically, spiritually bring you back. But otherwise you stay there and that's called gone forever. What about the Rosham that are enumerated in the Torah? They look like they live forever. When the Torah describes Rishoyim, who, who disappeared, so then the idea of Rishoyim disappearing exists, but the Rishoyim disappear. 
The notion that Rishon will disappear is a perpetual notion. But the Rishon themselves have disappeared. Okay? Just to, just to, go, no, I mean, what you want to say? It's pulling them in through a back door. Right, but not in a real existence, in an existence of transistory, in a sense. In other words, the shocking realization that the three Svarim represent is that just like physically there's a reality, and if we decide that we, we don't, we're, not, we're not interested in abiding to the law of gravity, we'd rather not, and we jump off a building. So the fact that we don't think that there's a law of gravity won't stop us from falling. Person can think whatever he likes, but you can be outside of reality. Now, in the physical world, when you're outside of reality, so then you'll pay the consequences in a, in, in a way that you'll be able to experience with your senses. In the spiritual world, you have to wait until you're removed from the illusion of physical existence before that realization will hit home. So that's why we have an insight. We're prepared for that we are the Sifreter of the world. We write the Sifreter. Our life, if it's lived in response, in coordination, with synchronicity to the will of the Creator, is a life. It becomes a living Sifreter. And each of us, each chapter of our life, becomes a different chapter in Sifreter. The way we speak to one another, the way we speak to our parents, becomes a mitzvah of Kibbut of Aim. The way we speak to each other becomes Vavta So when I go up to my friend in the morning and say, How are you doing? with real concern. So I'm living a new description of the Pasuk Vavta In other words, I'm writing the Torah. In other words, it's as if Hashem is standing and I'm sitting. I'm the one that's writing the Torah and Hashem needs me to do that. Kiviyachal. I have to come into this world and I have to author my life. And the theme of my life and the details of my life has to be how the Creator's kindness, wisdom is manifest in my actions, in my thoughts, in my words. In other words, how my life becomes a Sefer Torah. The Gemara in the end of Micah says, how foolish are these Babylonians that when a Sefer Torah is brought into the room, everyone rises. Whereas when a Talmud Chochem, a person who contains and embodies the Torah, walks into the room, they don't. And the Gemara goes on to say that the Talmud Chochem, he is more of a Sefer Torah than the Sefer Torah because the Talmud Chochem can implement things which the Sefer Torah is fixed in, the, in its written form. You need the Talmud Chochem to, exp- to ex- extricate from the Sefer Torah the lessons that we need to apply to our life. So ironically, we are the living Sefer Torah. Our lives are the stories of Chumash as we live them. The Nefesh Chaim brings us down very strongly and gives us a context and perhaps a shift in terms of what does it mean to study Torah. People think, you know, you go to Yeshiva, it's an academic establishment, and there's a demand for a person to fine-tune his intellectual skills in order to grasp the legal complexities of the Talmud or the halachic implications or the philosophical nature of the works of the philosophers, the Nefesh Chaim, Reb Chaim Velozhin, describes Torah in a completely different way. He says, the point of the study of Torah, when you're learning a random Gemara in Kiddushin, and you're trying to figure it out, 
It's not that you now are empowered because you have knowledge. And if a person would come to you and say, is this woman or married or unmarried, you'd be able to say married or unmarried based on knowledge and condition. That's valuable, that's important, and that's the stage of implementation. But there's something else that goes on when a person studies Torah. And he says the following thing. A person studies Torah below. Open up your Gemara and you start learning Kiddushin. Understand. Call Teva. Every single word. That you let leave your mouth. Those words, as you say them, are coming out of the mouth of Hashem at that point in time. Just like when you act, you're writing a Sefer Torah. When you learn, you are giving Torah. You're, you are, as it were, when you understand, grasp Torah. So since the Torah is the will of Hashem, and Hashem and His will are one, so you expressing those ideas are the mouthpiece of, mouthpiece of the Creator. And hence, when your, moves are, when your lips are moving, Kaviyochel, it's as if his lips are moving in the same way. Kedishkachem beperekam adigitin, as the Gemara in Gitin says, Gabe pilegesh begiva, v'sizne olav pilagshoi. There's a, whatever, there's a case the Gemara quotes where there's a machlokes between two Amoraim, Rabbi Vyasar and um, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yonison, sorry. Rabbi Yonison and Rabbi Yossel. So what happens is, Rabbi Yonison has, has his opinion, and Rabbi Yossel has his opinion. And then Rabbi Yossel has a rare occurrence occurred to him, something which only the greatest Sadiqi merit, and he has an appearance of what's called a Gilu Eliyahu. Eliyahu, Elijah the Prophet, appears to him. So given that opportunity, Rabbi Yossel requests of Elijah the Prophet to know what is going on in the heavens at this point in time. What is the Kodesh Bochu doing? What is Hashem doing? What are the Kodesh Baruch doing? He's learning the same sukkah that you're learning. And what is he saying? Says Rabbi Yasser. Answers Eliyahu This is what Hashem is saying. He's saying, That's what he's saying. He's saying what you're saying. When you say something, he's saying that. And when your when your chavrusa says something, he's saying your chavrusa's words. In other words, Hakosh Baruch is saying over your Torah. Vehu Yisbarach Shmei V'Diberachad, and Hashem and His words are one, as the Torah says. And that's why says the Nefesh Chaim David Amelak said, "Toivli Torahs Picha." It is good to me. It's great to me. Torah the Torah of your mouth. Why didn't David Amalek say Torah Torascha, your Torah? He says the Torah of your mouth. The Nefesh Chaim explains because David Amalek was happy because the Torah that he was learning was the Torah from the mouth of Akash Bochu. Because as he learned it, as if Hashem's mouth said the same words. In other words, to understand the depth of the Nefesh Chaim, maybe a little bit beyond us. 
But the theme and the direction of what he's saying is clear. That the study of Torah, even the most random sections of Gemara, is not that you should become only, of course, you should have to become wise in the knowledge and the informational content of Torah. But that's not the point. The point is, every second of study is a transcendent moment where you span the gap between the physical and spiritual worlds, and it's almost as if, as absurd as this may sound, you sit in the, you sit in the place, you say over the words of the Creator. And that's why the Nefesh Chaim says that a person can't just run into learning and casually open up the Gemara and begin. Prior to learning, a person needs to meditate. He needs to prepare himself for the experience. He can't just enter into it. He needs to contemplate. He needs to think, what's about to happen? What's about to happen is, I'm about to use these physical jaws, tongue, lips, mouth, vocal cords, and through these shall come the word of Hashem. I better be ready to be able to conduct such high voltage of electricity. For that energy to pass through my being, I need to be prepared. And that's why the Nefesh Chaim says that often the amount of influence and purification process the Torah will have on the person is dependent on the degree of preparation he goes through beforehand. Practically speaking, the first thing is, again, I'm just opening up a, a window of investigation for us to re-examine what the nature of the decisions we make in our life are and what we're doing when we're studying Torah. We're not gaining cognitive skills. We're not becoming sharper because we can reason better. We're becoming connected in the deepest possible fashion. So that there's two aspects. The study of Torah becomes the synchronized speaking that Hashem's voice and my voice are uttering the same words. No thing could be closer. The performance of mitzvahs becomes the response to the rhythm of the essence of life until my deeds, my days, are chapters of the Torah. Because the actions that I do, the thoughts I think, the words I say, are reflected in the mores and the instructions and the descriptions of the Torah. So therefore, when I wake up in the morning and I wash my hands, so I'm a, I'm a walking safer Torah. When I recite the morning brachas, I'm a walking safer Torah. Every act that I do that conforms, it's an embodiment of the Creator's will into the world. So my life is a book. My life is a book which is written through my actions and my study is a reconnection to the giving of the Torah. It completely shifts our attitude towards the value of what we're doing. Previously one may think that, oh, it's important to know Kiddushin because if I know Kiddushin, so then I'll know how to learn. If I know how to learn, I'll be able to be fluent because I don't know, maybe I'll need it one day. It's important for my status in the community. It, it will help me to teach my children. Nefesh Chaim says, and this is something which, again, I'm saying at this point in time, what I'm saying is words. To make these words a real part of my life and our lives is, is a process. But if we don't know the words, we have nothing to even look towards. Let's at least correct 
our perspective of what things are, what are we doing, why are we doing it, what is it all about. Let's live in the correct mental framework and then slowly over the course of time we'll have to bring down that idea, that concept into practice, into our lives. Because there's other parts of our lives, there's a struggle, there's a part of us that pulls us and wants to write a completely different book to the Sefer Torah. And there's a part of us which wants to write a pure Sefer Torah. And dealing with those two competing authors who want to script our life differently is a struggle that we all deal with on a constant basis, 24-7. So I'm not saying that after this one schmooze, people will now become Sadiqin Gemurim. And every thought, word, and action will be an embodiment. But at least know that that's what we're trying to achieve. That Judaism doesn't settle for mediocrity. Not because it doesn't like mediocrity. Because it's stepping our reality. If a person subscribes to the majority of the laws of the physical universe, he just, one or two, he doesn't subscribe to. Like he thinks people can breathe underwater. That is happy to, 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 to say that. He's, he's, so, I mean, it's, it's all glut and good until he goes for a swim. And then things have a rather unfortunate and wet ending. So, mediocrity is not because mediocrity is bad. It's because mediocrity is missing the point. The Torah demands perfection because it demands reality. Not because it wants us to be super tzaddikim. It wants us to be part and parcel of the world. Being part and parcel of the, parcel of the world means every action is real as opposed to some not and some yes. That's a goal that we have to strive for. It's not an easy goal. It's not a um, simple goal. But I think it's something which we can ponder on, think about, and hopefully move forward with.